Are you a real estate investor looking to elevate your income, freedom, and lifestyle? If so, optimize your daily performance by downloading our free guide, Raising the Bar, Five Steps to Elevate Your Habits at ElevatePod.com. In this guide, created by yours truly, you'll learn why you do what you do, how to easily institute cues in your environment to trigger desired behavior, directly applicable steps to create a fulfilling future, and much more. Get your free copy now at ElevatePod.com and kickstart your new habits today. Your future self will thank you. Welcome to Elevate the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I am blessed and grateful to be sitting with Helen Chong today, one of the most inspiring people that I know and one of the nicest people that I've ever met and someone who really uh, lives what she preaches every single day. So I'm so excited about this conversation with Helen Chong. Today, you are going to learn about the resourcefulness mindset. You're going to learn about how you can apply the immigrant mindset to your life, to your business, to your investing, to your own perseverance. You're going to learn how to expand your comfort zone, how to be comfortable being uncomfortable. You're going to learn about overcoming adversity because guess what? If we're going to be successful investors, there's going to be a tremendous amount of adversity on our path. If we're going to develop fulfillment in our life, we're going to have to persevere to make that happen. You're also going to learn about the power of reflection, of self-reflection and how that can help you grow even further in your life. You're also going to learn about some of the most important decisions that you need to make as a real estate investor to take your portfolio to the next level. Today's conversation, today's episode is outstanding. Elevate Podcast is all about mindset, mind expansion, and personal development for high-performing real estate investors. I'm your host, Tyler Chesser, and I'm a professional real estate investor and high-performance coach. It is my job to decode the stories, habits, and multifaceted expertise of world-class investors and other experts to help you elevate your performance and lifestyle. Are you ready to take it to another level? It is time. Let's raise the bar today. And before we dive into this episode, thank you so much for listening to Elevate Podcast. It is so important to us that we serve you and we add value to you. So I just really appreciate you being here. And I want to encourage you to give us a rating, review, and subscribe or follow Elevate Podcast and wherever it is that you listen or follow uh, podcasts, because really, ultimately, um, the only way that we can continue to grow is if you stick around. And we love to have the opportunity of sharing and adding value to you on time and time again. We're, we release two episodes a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And by the way, the fee for listening uh, is just to pay it forward. Share this with a friend, share this with your network on social media, through a text message, through an email, or word of mouth. We just ask that you share this one time. If you've already done that in the past, Thank you so much for listening today. We just ask that you do that one more time. And uh, the only way that we can grow is if we earn the power of your introductions. And one introduction at a time is really all that we ask. And it's extremely, extremely valuable for us. And we just really appreciate that. By the way, we appreciate everybody who leaves reviews as well. It's very important for us. And uh, it's important for the success and the future of us to be able to continue to add value to you. So all of that, all of those asks from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate that. And with all that said, I want to introduce you to Helen Chong, who is the founder of Halen Group in San Jose, dedicated to helping clients build their real estate portfolio from residential and commercial real estate sales. She has over 16 years of real estate experience as a real estate agent, mentor, as well as a real estate investor. Prior to her real estate career, she was an analyst at a pension consulting firm in Santa Monica. Helen Chong is considered a real estate industry leader by serving in many real estate organizations, which includes being on the board of a Santa, at Santa Clara County Association of Realtors from 2017 to 2019. In 2020 and 2021, she has served as the president of the Northern California chapter of CCIM, which is a certified commercial investment member. She is also the part of the 2020 JWL Leadership Academy, 2021 CCIM Institute, Institute's International Activities Committee member, as well as the 2022 first regional vice president for 10 Western region chapters of the CCIM Institute. And she is an award-winning professional. She is decorated beyond belief, but she's someone who has overcome tremendous odds in her life. 
um, to come to the United States from Hong Kong and um, really to bring her family full circle as well. And it's such an inspiring story today. It's, it's such an inspiring uh, life that she's lived and, and an example that she's set. So please, without further ado, please enjoy this amazing conversation with Helen Chong. Helen Chong. Wow. Welcome to Elevate. How are you? I am doing awesome, especially right after New Year. I'm doing really great. Very pumped right now. I know. Same here. It was it was really actually I could feel it when we were talking before the episode today. You mentioned how rested you were, which is a kind of a rare occurrence in your world. I know you're such a high performer. You're so driven. You're passionate about what you do. But you do have this aura of like, wow, I feel relaxed now. I feel ready to go. Is that kind of how you're feeling? I absolutely I feel refreshed. And um, I think all of us really need that. I I'm one of those people don't really know how to stop. Even during the break, I'm still doing stuff, but it's just not like really high stress, but it's something relaxing with my family and that we find projects to do. So it's really nice to have that kind of change of scenery. I totally agree. And I was talking to my business partner yesterday and he he felt that way too. He is, he's just like you where he's just like, he's go, 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 go. But I shared with him something that Rich Divini, the Navy SEAL, shared with me. And he, he shared with me and he really made this stick out to me how important recovery is. And we were in Costa Rica on a mastermind retreat. And I told him, hey, you know, I've got a few meetings tomorrow and the next day and we're going to do Zoom and I'm going to do this, that and the other. And he's like, no, after this retreat is over, you need to pull it back. You need to rest, relax and recover because you're going to be so much better when you come back. And it really reminds me about, you know, the new year time and taking a little step back and getting a little recovery and think about how much better can we be when we come back. And I feel like that's where you are now. Yeah. And, you know, usually during the break, we are OK, we go on vacation. And then when you're on vacation, really not really vacation, especially when you have kids. So you, you're tired by the time you come back. But this time not doing anything, just staying home. And we did like a very fancy home dinner, you know, it's like, and, and start baking stuff and with the kids and join that family life. And then you remind yourself, what's, what's the most important thing for you? Like all that hard work, that's what you really want to do is to enjoy your time with your families. Yeah, no, that's, that's it. I mean, what's most important. And sometimes we have to take a step back and, you know, look above the trees, right? Look and see the forest and like, what, what's the purpose of all of this? And it's probably for family. It's probably for enjoyment, fulfillment, however you define fulfillment. But Helen, I'm excited about our conversation today because I think we're going to learn so much about you and your story and from your story and how we can take things to the next level ourselves so that we can live a more fulfilling life so that we can understand what does freedom really mean to us. Mm -hmm. And, um, but before we dive into that, Helen, if you were to describe yourself in the way that the people that know you best would describe you, what would they say about Helen Chong? Work too hard, too driven, always want to be perfect on everything. Um, it almost sounds negative. It was like positive words, but almost kind of negative in a way. It's like, oh, too much of this. But um, yeah, I think uh, it's funny. Every time we say Happy New Year, uh, my family, my families will always say, don't work too hard this year. Okay. And it's like, <laughs> as if this is a bad thing. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that, I think that's generally what my family and friends would describe me. That's really interesting. And it's so funny because the first time I met you, I noticed that about you is that you, you have a strong desire for not maybe not necessarily perfection, but for greatness and for diligence and for going the extra mile. So where did that come from? I mean, I know we're going to talk a little bit about your your story, your backstory and where you came from and so forth. But where did that diligence come from? I'm just curious. You know, um, I always think that if you're going to try to do something, why not make the best effort out of it? Right. Why would you want to show people half of your effort? And and it's very transparent people can tell right away and I could tell when people give me like 50% of their effort and I'm just like it drives me crazy and I think a lot of it it comes from my mom my mom is a hard worker every time like holiday she would make sure everything is prepared to perfection um, inviting all these family and friends decorations to food how it tastes and how we dress when our friends come over um, and she just even like every morning when we make our bed, every the sheet has to be tightened up mm. and make make sure it's flat. And until 
until now I have to make my bed. And then if my kids make their bed and there's a little wrinkle, it drives me nuts. Like, no, you have to pull it straight. <laughs> but that's really, um, I feel like it's where I observe my mom and she's such an amazing entrepreneur, business owner, where she started her career when she was 47 years old. Wow. So older than where I am right now, but not too far from me, but it's, but I, she became very successful and now she's 75. She's still working. That's so cool. That yeah. is amazing. And, and it, what it makes me think of, and, and this philosophy has stood out to me so deeply over the past few years, especially is that how any, how you do anything is how you do everything. Yes. And you talked about making your bed and, and being cognizant of the wrinkles and, you know, that spills over into so many other areas and the way that you treat yourself, I think spills over into how you treat other people, how you treat your business, how you treat your employees, how you treat your clients, how you treat your partners. And um, I think that's really, really amazing and really profound. Um, but talk to me a little bit about your backstory because it's remarkable. It's really amazing. I mean, thinking about growing up in Hong Kong, immigrating, uh, obviously to one country and then to the United States. Talk a little bit about that because um, I think there's a lot to be learned about it, but, but really give the listeners a sense of, you know, what life was like growing up and why you made those decisions and so forth. You know, uh, I think when people think about Hong Kong, it's always like, oh, it's a very developed, well, it's not a country, but developed city. Um, however, we when we were growing up, we actually, we went from a very comfortable life to a very difficult life where it just literally tore our families apart into different countries. My parents had to go back to Indonesia to start their career, like I said, 47 years old, all over again. Um, and we lost all our money because of there, our family friends actually stole, pretty much stole our money. And so we were being chased down by landlords asking for rent. And then I was living by myself at home at the age of 16 until I couldn't do it anymore. I felt like I needed to be with my parents. And then I moved myself to Indonesia to be with them and decided that, hey, I'm just going to help you guys out to rebuild your business, which was a restaurant business at the time. And um living in the third world from a very developed city to a third world country in Indonesia and not a big city in Indonesia. It was a small, small, small town. Um, it was just like you lived in two different worlds and then you realize like, I can do so much more. I could have probably, I could have just stayed in this small town in Indonesia and continue to help my parents. And my parents actually said like, it's okay, stay here, help us out. And you can do whatever you want to do here because it's so cheap. Everything's so cheap. We were selling fried rice for 50 cents a plate um, and life could be easy, you know, and uh, and just find somebody rich to marry to and then your life is set. That's like a typical Asian girl mentality back then. And then um, I was just like, no way, there's so much more. There's so much more in this world I want to explore. Never been to the United States, but I want to come here because that's all we see on TV, uh, on magazine. Uh, one funny story is that I used to look at the magazine and I just talked to the people, like a Caucasian person on the magazine. It's like trying to speak English to this person and <laughs> on the magazine. It's like, I really want to come over. And um, But anyhow, so I... I basically applied everything myself. Um, and then one day I just announced to my parents, Hey, I'm going to the United States. I'm going to start my life all over again. And hopefully one day I'll be successful and I can bring you guys over and we can be a happy one, happy family again. Wow. How old were you when you decided to go to the U S um, 18? So, well, when okay. I decided it was 17, but then when I actually made it here, I just turned 18. Okay. So you went to Indonesia when you were 16 right? Mm -hmm. So you spent almost two years there. And then you said, look, I'm no way there's so much more. And that, that's such an interesting thought process that you had as well is that, you know, you were surrounded by people who maybe were okay with their circumstances, or maybe they were okay with that lifestyle. But there was something in you that was speaking to you that said, no, there's, there's much more. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. It's like, um, I think is everybody has a dream and you have a goal and you have, uh, a way of thinking your life should be different. Although it's be being presented to you that, you know, it, your parents have, have 
obviously some dreams for you too, but my parents, they're one of those, like, it's okay. You don't have to go to school, you know, just work hard and just be happy where you are. Um, and in the, in the very Asian culture way, my dad was the one to always say, be humble. Don't always try to go for something that is too far-fetched. And he always said, like, if you don't have a, you know, such a big head, don't wear such a big hat. Mm-hmm. That's like, a, there was a Chinese way of saying it too. And it's like, but I always now I would say like why wouldn't you want to dream bigger? Why wouldn't you want to have shoot for something really outrageous and then hopefully you can hit somewhere you know halfway there and it's at least it's still a goal that you can go for. Um, I don't know what's in me that caused me to want more, even though that's how I was raised. But um, I'm so happy I made that move. It was so difficult you know, coming here alone with no financial support and not knowing the language, not knowing the culture, everything is just new. I didn't even know how to cross the street by looking at the traffic light, but wow! <laughs> but it is the best decision I've ever made. And that really life-changing for me. So you embark upon this journey, right? So give me a sense of where did you start? Did you start in Los Angeles, correct? Yes, I okay. did. I landed, um, I land, I remember that moment as soon as we got out of the plane, somehow we weren't going through the, going into the airport right away, right away. We actually landed, we walked down onto the tarmac and then I just like, wow, the weather here is so nice. The sunshine is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So that was the first step. So you get off the plane and you're like, oh my gosh, this is really becoming my reality here. I'm here. But then you're like, I'm sure you're thinking, well, I don't have any money. I don't understand this culture. I don't understand the language, right? Yes. So give me a sense. Um, where, where did you start? Where did you begin? I mean, I, okay. I did have some basic of learning English, obviously from Hong Kong, but okay. we didn't, we never really spoke. We just had to learn how to read and write. Um, and also we learned British English, not U.S. Mm, English. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the culture is definitely a big shock for me. I I honestly didn't really know how to start. I I had a cousin here already. He tried to help me as much as he could for two weeks, but you pretty much have to navigate everything yourself. Go walk down the street, walk to the school, ask questions, constantly asking questions, and just try it. You know, if you don't do anything, you're not going to move forward. Um, all the way from trying to learn how to pick up a payphone, how do you dial that number, how to find a roommate? Yeah, it's just constantly asking questions, um, like asking questions to random people. <laughs> that you I feel know. like that's a that's a delineation that many investors or entrepreneurs still have to do today, no matter where you are on that scale. It's it's asking questions. But you talked about the humility earlier of Asian culture. Uh, be humble. I think it's you know in some ways it's like maybe that holds people back, but in other ways, it's, there's a lot of wisdom in that. It's like, be humble and ask questions. You had no choice, but to ask questions in that, this circumstance in many regards. And many people maybe were like, what is this? What is this woman talking about? I mean, this is so basic. I had asked questions as stupid as like, how do you turn on the computer? And then the <laughs> boy next to me is like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Wow. So, so you landed, you get your feet underneath you. How long did it take to you to get kind of stabilized to a certain point where you had a place and all I mean, did you even have a, a place to live when you landed? No, no. no. Wow. Um, I just knew that I had a budget in my mind and then how to, you know, um, like how much I can spend on an apartment. I've worked out with my parents, like, you know, they, again, they, they, they working in a third world country in a small town really didn't make any money at all. I was like, don't worry about it. I don't want my, me, my decision to put a burden on you guys, but being parents, how can you not? Right. Um, I, I was like, I need to find something to work. I need to make money. And I told myself, as long as I'm not going to die, I'm going to be okay. I will find a way. I'm sure I can do any kind of work. I don't know, pick up trash or do some kind of chores for somebody and get a little cash here and there. So that's what I did. Uh, It's like I, within two weeks, I already have found a job where I can make a little bit money and I'm talking about just two, $300 a month. And, um, and then I have worked up to three jobs at a time. So 
yeah, and then going to school, starting to meet new friends, and uh, it's just yeah, it's it's an experience. Now that thing back, if you ask me to do that now, I probably be like, I don't think I can do that. But you know, <laughs> when you had nothing, and when you were young, and sometimes being ignorant is a good thing because you just didn't know, right? I didn't know how dangerous that could have been. How many times that I think back now, it's like, wow, that would have been a, you know, if I have stepped towards the let's say a little more left or a little more right, I could have ruined my life forever. Mm. And, um, but luckily I had, you know, great people around me. I met really good people. I've met really bad people as well, but you know, these are all learning experiences. Yeah. And lucky for you and lucky for so many others, including your children, your husband, your clients, your, you know, this, this amazing network and the people that you've impacted over the years since then. I mean, lucky for all of us that, uh, that you had the courage to be able to go down this path and maybe you were a little bit ignorant, right? You know, I think there's a little bit of, Hey, ignorance may be bliss in terms of starting businesses, but these type of journeys, I mean, even much more so, you know, you, you, you really kind of alluded to the, the, the fact of, Hey, I will find a way. And there was almost a a mindset of resourcefulness. Like I'll do whatever it takes to, to make it, to be successful and to just really not only to not necessarily to thrive, but just to survive at that point in time. Could you talk a little bit about that unique mindset that you had at that point in time that carried you through? You know, I think that resourcefulness is key to anyone want to be successful it's until today it still bugs me and somebody said like oh it can't be done i was like i can't i don't want to hear it i don't want to hear it. it cannot be done um it's even now our children at school elementary school i'm talking about first grade they learn about growth mindset they said i can't do it don't say i can't do it say i can do it i cannot do it yet you know and always think about a solution and always find ways um, when people, I just think that, especially nowadays, we have internet, the res- resource out there is so vast, so much, there's no way you cannot do anything if you are willing to put in the time and the effort. So I always say that if you want something, find a solution, even go go from um, us helping our clients, same thing, when there is always going to be a problem, an obstacle in front of you. But don't just present the obstacle. Don't don't just say that here, I have an obstacle in front of me. I cannot move anymore. Find a way to move it. Find a way to destroy this obstacle. There's always a way. Um, But then if you you didn't try, then I feel like you're not going to know what will happen behind that, behind that obstacle. That's like a road probably going to this most beautiful place, right? And you just have to go past that. Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor, then we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, a national real estate investment firm founded by myself and my business partner, Brian Flaherty. CF Capital's mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors like you maximize their returns by investing in high value multifamily communities. If you are looking for risk adjusted alternative investments in quality apartment communities, are seeking tax optimized cash flow with appreciation upside without all the hassles of management you might benefit from learning more about investing alongside our team. You're invited to reach out and learn more about how you can invest with us by visiting cfcapllc.com. We're also currently offering a free ebook called The Bottom Line, 10 Ways to Increase Cash Flow in an Apartment Complex. Whether you're a new or experienced investor, we're confident you'll find massive value in this resource. So go get your free copy today at cfcapllc.com. And now please enjoy the rest of the show. I love that. And you know, it just makes me think of you know what, when you find a way, there's gifts in finding that way, right? You become more creative, you become, you know, you, you, you develop a skill, um, you find maybe an alternative path that you would have never found if you didn't have to find a way. And so I almost think that the growth mindset allows us to find those new paths to develop new skills to develop as a human being. And really, the challenges are what creates us. And to me, I think that's so, so valuable. So think about your path and your journey there. So did you you said you enrolled in school? Did you go to UCLA? Was that UCLA at that time? No. Well, I went to Santa Monica College first because it's cheaper. Okay. Um, And I went there for a year and a half. I I finished my uh, studies rather quickly. Then I had half a year before I started UCLA. So that half a year I worked 
a lot, seven days a week. I saved up enough money, enough money. Then I went back to visit my family and stay with them. So I didn't have to pay rent over here. Hmm. I love that. And then, so t- talk to me about your, your path then. So you started in pension fund, you were a pension fund analyst, correct? Correct. Okay. And so you worked in that industry for a period of time. And I think you sort of, you saw some things happening perhaps and which allowed you maybe said, all right, we'll find a new way. Right. And so talk to me about what happened and then the path that took you to real estate. So because I came here with no money and of course, in the back of my mind, constantly thinking about like, how can I, you know, have this financial security that's literally the goal since the beginning, right? Went to Indonesia and then I came here. It's like, I will find a way to make money. I'll find a way to give us financial security. Then after um, uh, after college, I graduated from college. I started a pension fund company. And that's supposedly where people, when they retire, they're going to have great pension funds and help them with their retirement. And, uh, and then in 2002, um, that's when I see the internet bubble busted. And then I watched, literally, we were analyzing all these portfolios. Everything was just negative, like double digits number. And and then I started meeting people who are like uh, uh, retiring that year. And they kept telling me like, yeah, I have like this much money in their retirement funds. And I lost 65%. I had a guy who told me, I'm 65, I'm retiring. I only have $150,000 left in in my portfolio. He said he had almost a million dollar before. And I was, I just kept thinking to myself, holy cow, what if I, you know, retire in the wrong year during the mm-hmm. recession? What would happen then? So, and I felt like the stock market was just too much. I am allowing someone else to take control of my financials. I wasn't the one that running the companies. You know, I, I'm just literally praying, like give you the money and praying like, okay, you guys better do good. And <laughs> my my money will go up. So I wanted to take control back and I started doing a lot of research again. And um, and then I found, I started learning about real estate. At the time we talked about foreclosures. I remember this one website, I think it's foreclosures.com. I read up every single article in there, printed them out and put it in a binder, read it and read it and read it. I did everything. I started going to free uh, real estate seminars. I started going to look at properties. Didn't have money, and I found a money partner to do uh, to to go out with me. So I just absolutely fell in love, fell in love, but was still too afraid to take that route because if you go into real estate, that means you don't have that stable paycheck, and you're gonna have to go into this industry with no money. Um, and the funny thing, how life works, is that. I actually went back to Asia to spend my first Christmas with my family in 10 years. So I was very excited, but I couldn't come back due to a visa issue. I was not allowed to come back to the United States. And I was just like devastated because I'm like, I built all these, my life there. And then all of a sudden, because of this stupid visa, I couldn't come back. Wow. Yeah. And, um, but um, long story short is that we found a way to come back. I, I found a way to come back and I just took that leap of faith. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to jump into real estate and start all over again. Um, at that time, that's when I met my husband and uh, we, uh, he, he was in the Marine and uh, he was going to war. His third tour is literally everything is kind of like what's worse than him going to a war where right. he could have died. And I cannot risk just not having some money and start my life all over again. Right. So that's what I did. And then I jumped into real estate and started all over again. Oh my gosh. I mean, the amount of adversity that you have overcome and that you were overcoming then, and obviously you continue to do so now, but thinking about, wow, you had to find a way to come back to the country. And then you had to find a way to create income. You had to find a way to take back control of your own financial future. But you also recognize this bigger problem in that many people just allow their control of their own money or their own finances to be relinquished to someone else or to the control of someone else. And, you know, I think that it's really powerful and it's really interesting because most real estate investors 
or most real estate entrepreneurs don't start in real estate, but they, they have this path that takes them there. And similarly for you, you saw this, it's like, well, this could be an opportunity for me to take back control. And you were like, well, wait a minute, but I don't have any money. And you found a way to bring a partner in, right? And then you found a way to overcome your fear because you mentioned, well, wait a minute, I, I fell in love with the with the business. This is really interesting. It makes sense, but you were afraid. So how did you find a way to overcome that fear? Um, Find a way to overcome the fear. I don't even know how I overcame the fear, to be honest with you. It's kind of like, I always think that I'm not in the worst situation compared to other people. Yeah, I'm, it wasn't great. I didn't have a lot of money. You can have all these self-pity. And yes, I did. I would talk to myself like, gosh, why am I so unlucky? Why can't I ever break this, this and that? But at the same time, am I really the worst? I mean, the person in the worst situation? No, um, there are other people who are in a much worse situation. So what am I supposed to do? We got. I got to do something about it and stop letting fear to stop myself. I remember I hear one thing from one of my real estate seminar. And the first thing I, I was doing is really changing my mindset. As mentioned, I was brought up being the, hum, you can say a humility, right? But at the same time, because of that humility, I basically didn't have any self-confidence mm. <laughs> because I never said like, I'm good at something. I'm all, I always have to say that, okay, I can be better. I'm not the best, this and that. So I started doing this mindset training at these real estate seminar and then allowing myself to, to have more confidence to be better. And one of the biggest thing for most people is that they're so comfortable doing the same thing over and over again and not trying new stuff. And uh, when they have me visualize it, it's like every time imagine you're living in a balloon or in a circle. And then every time you do something uncomfortable, basically you're stretching mm. this area, right? You're stretching and making it bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden you feel like, eh, I'm comfortable now. So I kind of started with that visualization. And then I was like, you're right. You know, if I do one thing uncomfortable next time, I'm not going to feel uncomfortable anymore. So that's how I, I mean, it's not like you jump from here to there all of a sudden, it's just really one step at a time. That's a really powerful visualization. When I think about that circle, it's like, well, wait a minute, I can do that. I can stretch the circle. And if I do that just a little bit every single day, then maybe I'll learn something new and maybe I'll gain more of that confidence that I'm missing. And so from there, you you really took that and ran with it, right? You went to the seminar, you, you trained your mind. And of course, I'm, I'm sure there was many other ways that you trained your mind but it allows you to put yourself in a position to take action and be uncomfortable, right? So talk to me about what did that, what was that first action and maybe the early steps of those action steps? You know, um, so the first thing with real estate, uh, uh, so the very first thing was that I was deciding whether I should continue with a very stable job or jump into real estate. I was actually offered um, a job offer from a very big company and very stable job as a financial analyst. Literally, she was on the phone. It's like, hey, you got the job. Are you going to move forward before we give you that employment letter? And I'm just like, oh, crap. You know, I need to decide whether I should do real estate or this. And uh, I said to her, I really I think I really have to try this other you know, real estate she, as an HR person, it's like, what are you talking about? Right. As if like, I need her to give me assurance. She was like, tell me, do you want it or not? And I'm just like, sorry, I have to try this. If I don't make it, I will come back. And will you still be willing to accept me? Of course, they're not going to promise me, but I just took that leap of faith. as like, I'm going to try it knowing that for the next few months, I'm not going to have a stable paycheck. That mm. was the very first step in terms of my real estate life to decide to have a stable paycheck or this. Um, honestly, probably for the next two years, I wasn't really making much money at all. Um, but that is still the best decision I have made for my career. I had family. And you know what? When you make these decisions, unfortunately, your family and friends, they are most likely not the most supportive sometimes. They would be starting doubting. It's like, what is she thinking? you know, why would she like maybe do this part-time and have a stable paycheck? I, my family would tell me like, you know, why don't you just go find a job? But I believed in it so much and I loved it so much. 
that I continued. I just like, you know, what? I know, I know if I don't give up, because again, if you give up, that's when that means you fail, right? But you don't, you don't give up, you keep learning from your own mistakes. I don't care how long it's going to take, but I want to make this work. And that's what I did. And glad that I never gave up. I never went back to my, you know, corporate world. Um, and I, I love every day of my life. I kept thinking about like, this is I don't feel like this is my job. This is really my my lifestyle, something mm-hmm. I love to do. Yeah, I, I can resonate with that. And I know many of the listeners can as well. I, I recall leaving my corporate job as well and, and stepping out and taking a leap of faith and having no guarantees, but you know, just that belief and that courage in myself that I could find a way that I would do whatever it takes to succeed. And and I feel like that is the the prerequisite, right? And the rec- recognition that you can and will expand your comfort zone and you can become comfortable being uncomfortable. And that's a skill in, in itself as well. But when you got started, were, were you buying foreclosures? Is that what you were doing originally? So as a matter of fact, the first one wasn't even a foreclosure, but okay. the first deal I did was actually no money down deal. Um, at the time, there's there's all these uh, uh, guru teaching you how to do no money down and all that stuff. And I found it's funny. I found my first property on a newspaper, and then somebody just said to me, "It's like who who buy properties from uh, from newspaper? You're not that old." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh well, I did." That's amazing. <laughs> and then that was in Texas, and I bought something in Texas. Um, not never seen it before. I. I mean, honestly, that was probably not the smartest move at the time. And I used a listing agent to buy the property. And uh, the good thing about that one is like, again, no money down. And then I actually got some money back at closing. So I felt like, my gosh, I'm learning. I, I, I'm doing what they've been pitching to me, right? And mm-hmm. I was so proud of myself. But because of the fact that I used the listing agent, there's so many things that he didn't tell me. And uh, I learned a really huge lessons after I closed, finding out all these stuff about the property. And uh, at the time, my husband was just kind of like, what did you get ourselves into? You know, but, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, however, we still until now today, we still have that first property because wow, it's almost like cool. now it's stabilized. Everything is great, but it took years before we could stabilize that property. So that was a single family rental it was a duplex. A duplex. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. So you bought the duplex and you're like, wow, I'm in the game. You made tons of mistakes. Like we all do, by the way, on our first few deals. And you continue to make, I know I continue to make mistakes to this day. And and obviously, hopefully they're a little bit smaller than, yes. than when we got started. But talk to me, where did you go from there? I mean, obviously now you've grown into serving you know, a huge client base and and really doing what you do in the Bay Area now and, and being a broker and also being an investor across the country. But talk to me about where your trajectory took you from there. Well, from there, I real when I found out that I didn't know what I was doing, I really hired, uh, not really hired, but I um, joined these bootcamp to learn from other investors. I was going to investment clubs all every weekend just to be surround myself by all these people. And then I went with a group of investors to Kansas City. And I, again, find her, study, study the heck out of this one neighborhood, know it by the street name, even I've never been there. I know their zip codes, everything. And uh, so I started flipping. Uh, I would buy small properties and then rehab and flip and re- and then refinance the burr strategy and i loved it i it's like every time I walk into a rundown house i was like ah oh, i love that smell <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> um I, you know and I, I it just started doing more and more and then i had friends knowing that i was actually in a mortgage business here in california but then um i started having friends ask me can you help me with purchase then since you love looking at homes for yourself or investment i'm like yeah sure but i never thought i would be a good realtor at the time because i'm really bad with with directions i don't know where it's east west uh, and thank god for gps uh so (laughs) i that's how i started into uh, becoming a realtor for our friend and however and i also realized that I really didn't know a lot of things. So I, um, I had a broker who, who wasn't very helpful. He didn't really know a lot either. So I had to learn, I started taking classes. I went to meet with other realtors 
And, uh, and I literally would be sitting in class, start cold sweating because I realized what I have done wrong before. Um, and I found that I really didn't know what I didn't know. So I immersed myself into education, how to become a better realtor. If I were going to start helping my friends and families or other people to buy. Um, but I actually, that I only had like a couple of friends who used me, but I did not start my business through my own circle. Most people knew that I just started. Most people didn't really want to use me. So I really had to go out of my network outside to start building my business that way. So I wasn't one of those people like, hey, start with your sphere of influence. My sphere of influence at the time didn't really trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I really had to go out and uh, find work, uh, find, uh, talk to a lot of investors first. That's how I started my uh, realtor business is helping investors. The level of perseverance that you have sustained along your path is just so remarkable. And it just, cause every, every new endeavor that you took on was, it was a bit of a mountain to climb. I mean, you talked about the amount of education that was required, the amount of sacrifice that you had to take to, to learn how to be a proper investor, how to, you know, you know, have a return on investment on your deals and to make them successful, go to Kansas city and learn all the different streets. And, and you were like me, I I'm very directionally challenged. I mean, my wife makes fun of me like crazy. It's like, I can't figure out how to get the grocery. And she's like, are you serious? Like, what is your deal? You're putting this in the GPS. So you and I, it's like, we have our deficiencies, but we, 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 we do whatever it takes. And you have been so so strong in terms of continuing to do whatever it takes and building your business as a broker. It's like, well, the people didn't trust me. So I had to find new people. And it's just, yeah. wow, the example that you've set is amazing. Could you talk to me a little bit about where self-reflection has kind of played a part in your journey as well? Because it almost seems like, well, it's just action, action, action. But I'm imagining that it's not all action. It hasn't all been just educate, grow, try, be uncomfortable. Could you talk to me a little bit about self-reflection for you? Oh my God. Um, that's actually one of the biggest thing about me is like, I'm constantly doing self-reflection. And um, so, you know, there, there's always challenges for everybody. And again, my challenges is not like bigger or smaller than anyone else. I feel like we, we need to recognize that we all have challenges as a, um, we consider, oh, as a woman, it's hard. And yes, so I, for example, uh, when I was doing real estate investments, doing flipping, I had to talk to contractors, but then they basically didn't really take me seriously. They actually called me, oh, you're a drama queen. When I asked for a certain standard, I needed to have certain way of doing things. Then I pull in my husband who was not even in real estate. I said, hey, can you ask these questions, do these things? All of a sudden they treat him completely different. Because my husband's like from the military, the way he talks is very, you know, firm. And so, so I noticed those, those uh, difficulties and I feel like, okay, I can leverage someone else. I'm not saying, I'm not going to be like here crying to you and say like, you need to respect me, you know? Yes, you do. Don't get me wrong. You absolutely do. But I need to move on and then I will leverage someone else to help me, you know, complete certain things. And I feel like that's where I started to learn in every step of my career, of my family life, everything is about how to leverage and recognizing your own weakness or something that is not going my, to, to, in, in my advantage. Then I would have someone else to help me where I'm not able to, uh, I'm, I'm deficient on. Um, as an example, I'm a very big idea person. I'm very, I can, I, I know what I want to do. I, I can, but then if you ask me to like be very systemized and on a checklist and all that, I'm not that person. I need mm -hmm. someone else to do that for me. So I learned that my, my very best friends, she's a checklist person. She has her task list. She's going to check up everything. So she helps me on that um, in terms of uh, the system. Uh, I, I just think we all need to learn about what we, our weaknesses are. And that's not a bad thing because no one has no weaknesses. Everyone has weaknesses. You just need to amplify your strengths and then have someone else to help you with your weakness. 
I could not agree more. And, and we're the exact same way, by the way. It's, you know, I, I'm a big picture thinker and I need people to help me figure out the details and execute on those details and stay systematized and process oriented. And so it's important to know thyself, right? But the self-reflection, I mean, the self-discovery process, I mean, are, are there particular questions that you ask yourself or is there a process that you go through or is it maybe just more so taking some time to reflect on what's going well and not what's not going well? Um. It took time, but then I, I remember that one thing that I did and it gave me such a big um, like uh, clarity of who I am is doing the DISC personality test. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yes. And uh, because, again, went back to me and my best friend, she's helping me with my real estate. We work well together. We you know, we were helping each other out because we were having kids and I'm just like, I can't, I can't do everything by myself. And I also moved to a new city from LA to San Jose. So I recruited her to help me out. She didn't know how to do real estate. And so we worked really well together, but we butted ahead. We kept butting ahead. I was like, ah, oh, why are you this way? And she'd be like, why are you this way? And then we did this disc personality test. We're absolutely opposite, completely opposite. And then we studied it. I was like, holy cow, that's why we work so well together, but that's why I don't get you. And um, and then from then on, every person I bring into my team, I have them take a DISC personality test. I would now know their what their weaknesses are, and I would now know whether their personality would fit into our culture or not. Because if somebody um, is too big of a D, it's going to clash with me. I'm I'm a I'm not a big D. I'm a medium D, but still, I can't have somebody too high of a D in, within the team, and it would ruin the culture of our, of our team. So, um, yeah, I have everybody take the this personality test now. That's so good. I, I'm imagining you're a high I, right? And then your second is D. Is that is that what I'm understanding? It, yes, a higher I, but I'm not super high. I'm not one of those like walk into a party. It's like, Hey, look at me. You know, I'm very shy. Actually, I'm very good one-on-one, -on -one. but when I'm in the big networking setting, I all of a sudden just like shrink and just like, ah, I'm afraid mm. to look at people in the eyes. Um, a lot of people are surprised about that, about, about me on that. Cause they thought, Oh, I thought you're, you're a really big networker. I was like, I push myself to go to these networking events because I know that's good for me. But literally, I could not do eye contact with anyone. I wait for people to come and talk to me. Then I can talk to them. Mm. Um, yeah, that's one of the uncomfortable situations for me that I keep pushing myself to be more comfortable. Um, and I didn't let that stop me for to not go to these places because I know these networking events are really important for me. Yeah. I just, I mean, it's another example of, well, it's got to do what it takes, you know, yeah. and what, what it takes is building relationships and that may not feel comfortable to you, but it's better than the alternative. The alternative is, well, making us a business that's not successful. Right. And, exactly. and not having those relationships. What else, I mean, how else are you expanding that circle? I mean, is, are there other things that come to mind? that I'm not good at and I have to keep expanding. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I, I want to say I'm not trying to um, sell my book, but writing, you know, as I told you that I wrote a book uh, uh, last year, 2021. And uh, I did not start reading until I was about 22 years old after I came here. And uh, reading is always kind of a challenge for me. It's, I, but I do read. And uh, writing a book, holy cow, that was something extremely, extremely uncomfortable for me. It took me a long time to do. And I think this is one of the things. It's like I want to share my story so badly, starting from I want to share with my kids. I want one day, what if I'm not around anymore? Do they have something you know, physical that they can hold in their hand and say like, hey, I want to share the story of my mom with with their kids or whatever, right? So I pushed myself to do this, wrote this book. And uh, um, yeah, and I think that's one of the things now I'm so happy. I'm so proud of this. Can I do it again? I don't know, but then at least I know I did it already. <laughs> and I think if I really have the time and the, um, have the time and the, the energy again, I would, I would definitely do it. It's just, it's not easy for me to do something like this. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't think it's easy for anyone. In fact, some of the the authors that I appreciate and admire the most, they talk about how hard it is to write a book. And what a phenomenal achievement to have written your book. And of course, we'll put links in the show notes as to where the listeners can find Power to Change Lives by Helen Chong. And, you know, I know that it's amazing because it really dives into your story, right? And, and a lot about what we've talked about today, but also what you're so inspired about sharing with so many others. So I'm I'm excited about that, but I, I just appreciate you, Helen. And I'm excited to, I, I want to learn a little bit more before we dive into the rapid fire section of the podcast, if you're okay with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Go ahead. You, you work with so many investors, right? So many folks that are doing big things that are achieving financial freedom. Mm-hmm. And I, I love your tagline too. It's, it's create financial independence through real estate, one client at a time. And so if you think about your experience, not only as an investor yourself, but working with prolific investors in the Bay Area and beyond, really all across the country, folks that are making investments that are, you know, setting goals, achieving goals. Talk to me about what are some of the glaring patterns that you've observed with some of the most successful uh, investors that you've worked with? And then also maybe some that are still on their way. Could you talk to me about the differences? You know, um, so the most successful clients I have, they are they, they are very smart. Don't get me wrong. They're very, very smart, um, very successful careers, but they do listen. They like go back to the humility. They do do their own research, but they also listen to your advice. What I find um, and they have built from starting from a condo. And that's what I'm really proud of our companies that we help so many clients buying their first place is just a condo all the way to owning apartment buildings, right? And that to me is such a satisfaction to see that because uh, although some of our clients are already successful in terms of their career, uh, where they are, but they worked really hard towards that and they really want to leave something behind for their kids, you know, for their, um, the next generations. So I know it's not it's, it's not something they, they take advantage of. They worked hard towards it. And I'm part of that journey with them. Now, there are also, we talked to so many investors and there's so everybody was like, oh, I really want, I love that idea to have financial security. Then they start doing a lot of research online. They think they know it all. They make their own decision. But again, I want to remind these uh, these these people is that, Remember, we do this full-time. We look at properties. We deal with this literally full-time every single day. We handle hundreds, hundreds, if not a thousand transactions, like looking at them. Maybe they may not close, but then we actually look at so many transactions every year. So this is literally what we live and breathe, right? When you're reading something and uh, watching something on the internet, Something in on the East Coast, on Kentucky, whatever, does not apply in California or vice versa. And um, and then learning is different from doing. So I really think that the biggest obstacle for some of the investors is that they think they know it all and they're not willing to listen and learn from the expert. Um, yeah, the client that we have helped, they learn, they listen, they do their own research, but they also realize that, oh, okay, I may not get all the full picture on the internet. This is what the reality is. There's always a gap from the internet and the reality, and you need to recognize that. We have so many clients who are like, no, but this is what I learned. This can be done. I'm like, no, it cannot be done. You can try. <laughs> and they they would try it, then they come back like, okay, maybe that was a waste of time. I'm like, yeah, but I know if you don't do it yourself, you don't try it yourself, you wouldn't have believed me. Yeah, knowing isn't doing. And there's such a big difference in putting things in action than feeling like you understand something from a conceptual standpoint. I think that's really, really interesting. And I, I also find like your commitment to education on, hey, here's what's happening in the marketplace to be really insightful as well. No matter if you're in the Bay Area or if you're in other parts of the country or other parts of the world, I would recommend the listener to go check out Helen's YouTube channel because you have some awesome stuff on, hey, housing market updates. And I think that stuff is important because everything's interrelated. Whatever mm-hmm. is happening in one market, you know, could impact what happens in another market. And I think it's important to understand those demand dynamics and all of these things that you share on a regular basis. So we'll put a link in the show notes as where well as where the listeners can find that because I could spend hours asking you questions about that where we could really delineate and understand those patterns so that we can make better decisions. But give me a real quick sense, if you don't mind, 
What are some of the most important decisions that investors need to make when they are creating or expanding their real estate portfolio? What have you found to be the most important? Um, I think the proper analysis and also really finding a good team, uh, team member. The way we work um, for, for us working with our clients, we do so much analysis. You and I, were both CCIM. So I do a lot of using a lot of CCIM analysis is one of the most in-depth. And uh, every time I do that, our, you know, the buyers that we're working with, they're like, oh my God, that is like one of the most um, in-depth analysis that we've seen. Um, and also uh, working with a really good team member because unfortunately, and this is something I hate to admit, is that real estate have this bad reputation that, oh, they just wanted to make a buck, right? Out of me uh, doing the transaction. But you need to find somebody who actually want to keep telling you, no, this is not a good investment. No, this is not a good investment. No, this is not a good investment. This is a great investment. You, you got to take action now. And that's what we do. I will say, you know, we say 90% no to our clients. Like, no, this is not good. And then Finally, we found something that's like, oh my gosh, you cannot miss this opportunity. So find that team member who can tell you the truth. I think that's really, really important. Yeah. And, and you are creating transformational relationships as a result, not just transactional. And I think that that is so powerful. And I just admire you, Helen. I really do. And this is such a fun conversation. I could do it all week long, all day long and keep going. So we're going to have to do part two and part three at some point in the near future. But uh, oh Helen, you, your, your, your story has inspired me. It's inspired so many to, you know, take their perseverance up a notch to allow themselves to expand beyond their comfort zone, because I think our dreams live on the other side of our comfort zone. And so with that said, Helen, I want to transition into our rapid fire section of the podcast. It's called the rare air questionnaire. It's all about being uncommon. It's about being willing to be courageous. It's about being willing to have a dream, visualize that dream and step into that and also reflect and refine your process. And so I'd love to ask you a few questions here. Um, if you had to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've ever read over the past few years, what would those be and why? You mentioned you started reading at 22. So I, I'm, I'm sure you've read many, but are there any that come to mind? Well, I did read um, many, not as much as some people probably, but um, so there are a couple books that really come into my mind. And um, one is called Millionaire uh, Mind that, it's interesting, this book, the way it talks about, it's not just about making money. It's just like what we said in the beginning is that success is not just about making money. Success is about a lifestyle. It's about relationship, your family, be happy. Just be happy. Are you happy? You know, I can make a lot more money, but if I don't have a good relationship with my husband and my kids, I'm not going to be happy. So um, that millionaire mindset is that book is great. Um, it's by Thomas. Oh gosh. I need to think about the name. Uh, it's Thomas Stanley, Thomas J. Stanley. And um, I love that book. I feel like that was one of my first few books that I read. And then um, another book was when I was in labor giving birth. I was reading this emerging real estate market book by David Landau. <laughs> and I loved it mainly because, well, I love the book because it taught me how to find markets in any real estate cycles and I find emerging markets and I, I, it clicked. And then that's how I've been um, investing since. But at the same time, of course, it helped me to not think about the, the pain during the labor. So <laughs> I love that book. Um, and oh, and Blink. Blink is a great book by Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, I, I love the fact that th there are a lot of decision making or impact is through a blink of an eye, you know, things that can impact so much and how you didn't know that that can really instill into your mind afterwards. So, yeah, those are probably the three books that I remember most. It's so interesting. And, and it's a pattern that I've observed as well as when I ask folks like you have been so successful as investors, what they're reading and what's been most impactful. A lot of it has to do with mindset and how they're understanding how their mind works and how they can expand the capacity of their mind, because this is our most powerful tool. And so I love that. And we'll put links in the show notes as to where the listeners can find those books. Um, and it also <laughs> you reading that book, the emerging real estate markets during labor, that just, that blows my mind. And it tells me so much about you. It tells me all I need to know about you, Helen, that is so fun. Um, if you had to point to the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis, Helen, what would that be and why? 
the biggest way to elevate my business or anyone? Your life, your life on a daily basis. Well, you know, um, honestly, I think I feel like I just practice my mindset, just how to be positive all the time. I went from quite negative, you know, and and a low self-confidence. And I feel like me helping even including my children tell them story storytelling to change their mindset kids not going to listen to you to tell them you know you got to do this you tell them stories and then share with them and how it has changed someone else's life not just my life and they would they they might not you might not think that they're listening to you but then they will remember when they grow up and it's like oh do you remember you told me this one story before I think that's what happened to me when I was younger. My dad loved telling, well, more of a philosophy type of talk, very boring during dinner time. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's just that again. <laughs> but now I grew up, I was like, I remember this is what you told me. I remember this and that. And and uh, don't think your words, is it means nothing. Kids, something will stick in their head and it takes them for the rest of their life. And that's how our words their mind shape their lives in the future. That makes me really excited because I'm excited to welcome twins next month. And I'm like, oh, I want to share them all the stuff that we're talking about today. You're gonna and start I'm like, whispering oh, to their ears, like I'm watching you guys. They're gonna be rolling their eyes for like 20 years. And then one day they're gonna be on a podcast and they're gonna say the same thing that you just said. Exactly. So so there you go. That's that's amazing. Helen, what's the biggest way that you elevate others around you? Um you know, right now, I, I love that part of it, doing something like this. And I do my uh, monthly webinar and I just want to educate, educate people and also change your mindset. One of the book that I wrote is called Power to Change Lives to so let people know that you have the power to change your life. And again, it's not an, um, if I can, I just want to share the, the, the design of the book. It's Beautiful. amazing. Yeah, your life is a maze. And here's how everybody is looking for home. The home, what does it mean? It's not just real estate. It's about your heart. You feel like you're home. I feel like I'm home now and here in the United States where I wasn't born here. I came here alone. I don't have family members here besides my own family now that I built, but I feel like home here. So this maze, there are obstacles there, but you are the one who hold the power to knock down all these obstacles and go home. So this book is a, is really, I think, hopefully I can do more of this to help elevate other people through the mindset, through their, when they're down, they feel like they have the power to get their life back. Helen, my goodness. I mean, we, you've changed so many lives today. You've changed my life today. Um, you, I just want to acknowledge you for being courageous, for doing whatever it takes, for continuing to challenge yourself and other people around you and educating other people and, you know, just not settling. And I just think that that's such an amazing example that you've set, Helen. I just really, really appreciate you. Is there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you like to share with Elevate Nation today? Oh my gosh. I, I think I, I said a lot. I just know that um, you we can always learn from each other. I my, my one thing I really wanted to say is that Tyler, you had no idea before we, we even started talking here um, or before we even had a full conversation, you know, I was watching your website. I, I was like, this guy, I feel like I get this guy. Like <laughs> what you were doing is something I'm like really, really admire and really look forward to. And uh, that's why this podcast, I've been so excited to be talking to you and going in depth about how we think and what we do and stuff like that. So I really appreciate you. I really want to say thank you for being such a great role model. Well, thank you for your friendship, Helen. And uh, I can't wait to uh, continue our friendship and continue to learn together, but tell the listeners where they can find you and learn more about what you do. Well, you can go to um, my work website will be halengroup.com, H-A-Y-L-E-N, G-R-O-U-P.com, or you can go to my book website is called power to change lives.com, um, where you can find links to, um, to buy my book or a Kindle. I'm working on audiobook um, this year. And that's one of my goals this year. And I'm translating into Chinese so that my parents actually can read them. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Yes. That is so cool. Well, Helen, thanks again for being on the show. And I look forward to part two of our discussion, maybe part three at one time. Um, But I'm wishing you the best and I look forward to seeing you again soon.
Sounds good. Thank you so much, Tyler. Elevate Nation. My goodness. What an amazing story uh, with Helen Chong and, you know, just her background is just so inspiring. I think I mentioned that five times throughout the episode and hopefully you're not rolling your eyes at me at this point, but I, I can just tell you that people like Helen are people that, you know, inspire me to, to get out of my own way because there's times where I think my challenges are, are, you know, insurmountable. I'm sure you feel the same way, but, you know, put it in perspective and you think about the challenges and the obstacles that she's been able to overcome and continues to overcome. I mean, her story is just getting started in many ways and she's continuing to raise the bar. She's continuing to elevate herself and other people. And so there's so much that we can do ourselves. And so that's where we are now. And what I'd love to challenge you on is I'd love to challenge you to find what are your top one, two, or three key distinctions or takeaways from this episode. I'd like for you to really think about, well, what is it that I can go ahead and apply today? Maybe it's the way that I think, maybe it's a mindset technique, right? Maybe it's a perspective or maybe it's a strategy. Maybe I can go ahead and take action. Maybe I can build my team. Maybe I can be a little bit more humble and ask more questions. What would you like to apply today? And I'd love for you to go ahead and discuss this with someone else as well. Share this episode with a friend, but also have discourse with them. What was it that you learned or were inspired by most from this episode? What was it that surprised you most about Helen's background and about her story and about her success and what she's been able to do? And how does that relate to your own story? Because guess what? We're all on a journey. We are all on a journey and uh, your journey is just getting started as well. If you believe that's the case, your success, your growth, your potential is right in front of you. And it comes down to your beliefs, comes down to your habits, comes down to your actions. So I'm going to encourage you to take massive action today because ultimately knowledge is only potential power. The real power is in taking action, taking massive action. Thank you so much for listening to Elevate today. And we look forward to seeing you soon, soon, <laughs> soon, soon. And until then... Elevate Nation, thank you so much. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.